G'day, and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national union news program, bringing you workers' stories and discussion on social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast right around the country on the Community Radio Network. My name's Matt Kunkel. This week on the show, we bring you two stories of struggle coming out of the fast food and hospitality industries. First, we go to the UK, where two weeks ago, there were strikes at McDonald's, TGI Fridays and Weatherspoons. We speak with one of the workers who went on strike about their campaign. We'll then speak with Josh Cullinan, Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, about their campaign against youth wages at McDonald's here in Australia. But first, some union news. And we won't go back. And we won't stop the fight until we succeed in a pathway to job security and full-time employment. until we get what we're entitled to and one extra week annual leave for being shift workers. West Australian bus drivers working for multinational transport company Transdev took strike action last Thursday. Drivers stopped work for four hours during the morning peak after negotiations for their enterprise agreement broke down. Their action had a strong impact, with many services cancelled across the network in Perth and Fremantle, and the effect was further amplified by the thickest morning fogs Perth had seen in some time. The West Australian drivers are demanding wage increases of 3% per year, a 1% increase to superannuation, and a fifth week of annual leave for all shift workers. These claims are similar to those of their Victorian counterparts, who have been taking or threatening strike action across the numerous contractors under Victoria's privatised model. The bus strikes in New Zealand also continue to spread, this time to Wellington, where drivers have set company Transit a deadline of October 23 to accept their demands for a new agreement. The drivers are looking to overturn the drastic cut to wages and conditions when the company took over municipal bus routes. Some drivers report losing as much as $200 a week, and if the demands are not met, the drivers will commence an indefinite strike, the first in Wellington since the 1990s. The industrial climate at some of Australia's leading universities is heating up in the lead-up to student exams. The National Tertiary Education Union, the NTEU, are set to take half-day strike action at the University of Canberra on Wednesday, 17th of October. The action will be the first industrial action at that university in more than a decade, as university management refused to address demands surrounding workload, job security and rights for casuals. Over at the University of Wollongong, union members took strike action on the 10th of October. The union there accused management of unlawful misrepresentations and intimidation, attempting to put additional administrative hurdles in the way of the workers taking strike. Hundreds of members across the university campus defied the university's intimidation and took strike action in regional New South Wales and southwest Sydney. In Victoria, members at Monash University have voted to take strike action, with management there persisting in claims to slash conditions including Indigenous employment targets. Other management demands include cutting penalty rates and undermining job security. Also in Victoria, members at Victoria University have been voting on a strike ballot set to close just prior to the show's broadcast. Check out the NTEU's Facebook page for more updates. The Australian Council of Trade Unions has released a report demonstrating the shortcomings of the Consumer Price Index as a measure of how quickly the cost of living is rising. The CPI, as it is more commonly referred to, is a figure released by the Australian Bureau of Statistics which considers the increase in a cost of certain categories of goods and services. This basket of goods, as it is called, includes a mix of all types of household costs, including basic necessities like food, energy and housing, and services like healthcare, education and communication. But it also includes consumable goods and luxury items. 
The report found that while CPI suggests the cost of living is rising at a relatively low rate of 2%, there are important categories of goods and services that are increasing at much higher rates. These include electricity, housing, childcare and gas, all types of bills which working class families have little or no chance of avoiding. Electricity, for example, is rising at four times the current rate of wage growth and childcare at twice the rate of wages. When calculating the CPI, the Bureau of Statistics estimates that workers have roughly 40% of their wages left over to buy non-essential items and luxury goods. This is clearly not the circumstance in which most workers see themselves when their pay packets come in. Many employers also use the CPI during enterprise agreement negotiations as a measure of their wage offers. The ACTU report shows that a continued reliance on these economic figures will continue to see working class people struggle to make ends meet. The report concludes with a call to make changes to legislation that are designed to improve workers' ability to bargain and increase their wages, particularly the reintroduction of industry-wide and multi-employer bargaining. Workers in Australia are set to take to the streets and demand changes to the industrial relations legislation. There are rallies planned in 16 different locations around the country, with the majority of those happening on Tuesday the 23rd of October. Several unions have called for stop work actions and significant turnouts are expected from the building industry unions. This comes despite pressure from both the Fair Work Ombudsman and the Australian Building and Construction Commission who have both sought to repress workers from exercising their rights to political expression. In Victoria, several contingents are expected to travel from the regions into the Melbourne CBD. If you're listening to the show in regional Victoria, contact your local Trades and Labor Council for more information. The time and date of all the rallies around the country can be found by heading to www.changetherules.org.au. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. On the 4th of October 2018, workers across the UK engaged in strike action at McDonald's, TGI Fridays and Weatherspoons, which is a chain of pubs. The strikes are the most recent in a growing global surge in fast food organising. The very visible Fight for 15 campaign in the US has had great success through combining community organising and militant worker action. In the UK, there have also been a series of strikes at McDonald's outlets organised by the Baker's Union. It appears that this action is now spreading to other hospitality sectors. The fast food rights campaign, coordinated by a number of unions, has seen worker action increase over the last 18 months. Worker demands include wage increases, an end to youth wages and the abolition of zero-hour contracts, which is the UK term for casual employment. To learn more, we spoke with Chris Heppel, who was one of the workers who took strike action at Weatherspoons. Chris, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Chris, can you please give us a bit of a background on these strikes? How and why did this campaign start? Uh, for me personally, I started working for Weatherspoon as a pub company about four and a half years ago. In that time, I've struggled to survive on low pay. Um, I've struggled with debt, and at times I've struggled to pay extortionate rents, living in one of the most expensive places in the country. And worse than that, I saw my colleagues in the same position, or worse than me, I'm in a lucky position in that I don't have any financial responsibilities besides looking after myself, and I know lots of people are in worse situations. Um, we knew something had to change. We worked really hard for a company that makes millions in profit, and we knew something had to change. So we came together, a few of us came together. We didn't really know we could do anything about it. 
But then we saw the mug strikes happen last September, and that lit the spark. They blazed the trail and showed us that if we do come together and form a union, we can make changes that we couldn't make on our own. And what are the conditions like where you work? How much are you being paid, and, and what are the other employment conditions? Um, we're being paid, uh, like all of us are being paid around £8 an hour. I'm paid a little bit more than that. Um, the working conditions are hard. I work in the kitchen. Um, a lot of us work on the bar. Anyone who's worked in the hospitality industry, I don't know what it's like in Australia, can empathise or the fast food industry. It's hard work. We're pushed to our emotional and physical limits to make as much money as possible for these companies. And in return, we have very little to show for it. And the strikes involved people from a number of different companies. So Weatherspoons, who you work for, TGI Fridays, which is a chain that people in Australia will also know as well, but also at McDonald's. Mm. Can you tell us how it came about that all three companies were on strike at the same time? Well, we we got in contact with the Bakers Union, having seen the McDonald's workers go on a strike last September and then again in May. We wanted to join them and find out more about how they went about doing that and wanted to join them because obviously the more of us there are, the more power we have to change these things and put pressure on governments as well as these companies. So we're part of the same campaign, the Fast Food Rights Campaign organized by the Bakers Union. The TGI workers are organized with Unite, so there's been an unprecedented coordination between different unions. And then close at the time, we were joined by Uber Eats workers and delivery workers who are obviously organized in a slightly different way. So that's how it came about, by workers like realising that our, like, our strength lies in numbers. All of us are united by wanting a secure life and a secure income and the dignity that comes with that and unions in these industries so we have a voice at the table when it comes to writing company policy and all of those things. I think it came about by a combination of uh, grassroots organising and an unprecedented level of coordination between these unions. What are the central demands for the campaign that you're involved in? Our central demands are £10 an hour and a union. £10 an hour so that we can have a, a secure life and a fulfilling life. So we're not just subsisting. Uh, so we don't have to go into debt to make routine or like unexpected expenses. And a union so that we have a voice in the, at the table when company policy is being written. So we can negotiate things like sick pay. So we can negotiate our wages in the future. So we can talk about how hours are allocated to reduce our workload in our pubs. And also... A third demand is to end exploitative use rates because at the moment we have, uh, in our pub, we have a 16-year-old who's getting paid 5.45 for the same work for the same work that everyone else is doing, and obviously that's totally unacceptable. I'd like to come back to the youth wages issue in just a moment, but £10 in a mm. union sounds a lot like the demands out of the Fight for 15 campaign, who are calling for $15 in a union. Are there any connections between your campaign and the Fight for 15 campaign? We have we're very closely connected with the Fight for Fifteen. Not only are we inspired by the like billions of pay rises that they've run, but they proved that this model of organising by building high profile strikes, by bringing fast food workers together, and by showing people in this industry, by showing them a, a sense, giving them a sense of their own power, we can put pressure on governments. We can put pressure on companies to give us concessions, and we can raise minimum wages locally as well as nationally. So. We've been not only inspired by them, but they the, that campaign, um, the Fight 15 and the SEIU, which backs that campaign, uh, urged the Baker's Union, along with Tom McDonnell, the Shadow Chancellor of the Exchequer, to start the Fast Food Rights campaign. So we're very closely linked to them and, um, and we're inspired by the work that they've done. Turning back to the issue of youth wages, it's something that we have over here in some industries as well, where younger people receive less pay than their adult counterparts for doing the same work. Indeed, over here in Australia, 18 and 19-year-olds in some industries still receive less than the full uh, adult minimum wage. Can you give us a bit of a background on what the youth wages situation is in the UK and how you're fighting back against it? Um, there, are, like, there are various pay bans for different rates, for different age ranges. So at the moment we have a 
minimum wage for 16 to 17 year olds, a minimum wage for 18 to 20 year olds, 21 and above and 25 and above. Um, I can only speak in our pub. We've never had an 18 to 20 rate. So it's always been 18 and above has been the same. But in many pubs around the country and in many workplaces around the country, people aged 18 to 20, people having to support themselves are earning uh, much less. I couldn't give you the exact numbers off the top of my head, but are earning really a shocking amount of money for the work that they do and are struggling to survive. One of the biggest achievements of the Weatherspoons part of the campaign so far has been abolishing that 18 to 20 youth rate nationally. As I say, we never had them in our pubs, but we, by taking action and by putting these issues on the agenda, we've, we've urged the company to sort them out and they've brought forward a pay rise from, no, from April to November and have also abolished the 18 to 20 youth rate nationally. So um, that's our biggest achievement so far. And what kind of support are you receiving from the rest of the community? The rest of the community? Um, support has been like all inspiring, really. The support in Brighton, where we went, we had our tickets, it's been overwhelming. Uh, people have been coming up to us over the bar and saying, like, I've seen you from all of the, from, I've seen you from the strikes and I hope you win. I think you're doing an amazing thing. We've like, the numbers out on the day and for the midnight walkouts the night before were absolutely amazing from groups and for all around Brian and from the, the public. I think everyone recognizes that we're all in the same boat. Lots of people empathize with the experience of being on low pay. Like, there are many people, like, millions of people in this country struggling on low pay, struggling, some people working two jobs or working seven days a week, struggling with debts. And we know that we all have to come together to sort it out and to put pressure on government to fix it and to put pressure on these companies to pay people a living wage. So I think support has been overwhelmingly good. I mean, not everyone gets what we're doing, but I think this campaign is changing minds and is changing. Like, there's a generation of people who are resigned. There's a lot of frustration out there and a lot of feelings of powerlessness, but this campaign is changing that. You said earlier that you were inspired at Weatherspoons by the work of the McDonald's workers and the mixed strikes earlier yep. um, or late, late last year. Mm. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how you're organizing across the different companies? What connections are there between you and the workers at these other, other franchises? The campaign itself um, organizes like centrally. So the, the, um, the campaign's organizers, it's a relatively small campaign, the fast strike campaign, but the organizers were all Almost all of them were McDonald's workers a year ago. So we're in communication with them and we're in communication directly with other McDonald's workers across the country. We've only recently become in contact with the TGI workers who are organizing with Unite. But we hope for a lot more of that. And we're going to like, do a lot more grassroots organizing and communication as the campaign goes on. How widespread have the strike actions been? How many workers have been involved? And, and what are your next steps? Uh, so far, we're relatively a, sm- a small percentage of the workforce, but it's an increasing number. So originally, there were two McDonald's in September, and then five in May. This time, there were there were around that number of McDonald's again. There were two Weatherspoons. There were TGI workers striking on the same day. In terms of the actual numbers of workers, I mean, it's hard to really put an exact number on that. We took like about 35 of us from Brighton went on strike, um, and that's not to mention. Deliveroo and Uber Eats and food carrier workers, it's much harder to put a number on because of their, the organic nature uh, of those kinds of strikes. But the campaign is growing every time it grows. And I think every time like we are only here because we saw the McDonald's workers do the same thing. And I hope that we've not only raising the issues that we've been raising, £10 an hour in union, but also to put a call out to everyone in this industry, to everyone on every low-paid and service tech worker to join us and to organize in your workplace and their workplaces it's only by coming together, not only locally, but globally, to deal with these issue, issues that we can really change these industries to better. Well, Chris, we might leave it there, but thanks so much for joining us on Stick Together and all power to your arm. Thank you very much.
You're listening to Stick Together, right around the country on the Community Radio Network. That was Chris Heppel, one of the striking workers from Weatherspoons in the UK. Now we turn back to Australia, where McDonald's has also been in the media over the practice of using young workers and youth wages to drive down costs. Joining me now in the studio is Josh Cullinan, the Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Last week, there were media reports about McDonald's practices exploiting youth wages to drive down costs. Can you tell us a little bit about what youth wages are and where they come from? Yeah, sure. So youth wages have been around in the Australian economy now for several decades, born out of a desire to um, encourage employers to uh, employ young workers. Uh, They were scheduled to be abolished um, at the end of the 90s. Um, but unfortunately the major parties teamed up together to then institutionalise them as legislated minimum wages, Um, and they've been around ever since. So RAFU claims that McDonald's are exploiting these youth wages to drive down their costs. How do you say they're doing this? Well, unfortunately, the Age Discrimination Act allows employers to roster based on youth wages. And the way, that col- uh, the way that McDonald's deals with this is uh, they have a highly casualised workforce and as workers get older, they roster them for fewer hours. They effectively replace an 18-year-old with a 14 or 15-year-old. So every birthday just means fewer hours. So we're told that youth wages are important, otherwise employers won't employ young people without skills. But this learn and churn, which you've spoken about, appears to run against this idea. As people become older, they get more skills. So what's really at play here? This is purely about greed. This is about pure, um, unadulterated profit making. And um, let's be frank, they're, at the moment, they need these workers to be doing this work. It's something like 80% of workers at McDonald's are younger than 21 years of age. 80% of workers are being paid some kind of junior rate. There's no way that McDonald's can simply replace its workforce um, with older workers. It relies on these young workers to do this work. So McDonald's has roughly 103,000 employees in Australia and two-thirds of them are between the ages of 14 and 18. You're saying this is by design and not by accident? Oh, absolutely, it's by design. And when I cross-examined the franchise owner from Perth in a recent hearing in July about casualising part-time work, he admitted it. I put these questions to him and he said it's a core part of their business model that they reduce the hours of workers as they get older and replace them with younger staff, not because those older workers are moving on, purely because it's a financial imperative to replace them with younger staff. So just tell us a little bit about how these youth wages operate, just how less than the adult minimum wage can they go? Yeah, sure. So under the Fast Food Industry Award, uh, a worker who's 14 or 15, and some states allow for workers as young as 13 to be working in McDonald's. In Victoria, it's a 15-year-old start. Um, But workers who are 13, 14 or 15 are paid less than half an adult wage. Worker who's 16 gets paid half the adult wage. Once 17, it's 60% of the adult wage. Uh, Once 18, it's 80% of the adult wage. 19 is 90%, uh, sorry, 80% of the adult wage at 19 and 90% of the adult wage at 20. So while these are called youth wages, we've actually got adults being paid less than the minimum wage. Yeah, that's right. So uh, what we know is that about half the workforce at McDonald's is under the age of 18. Um, 18-year-olds make up for about 15% of the workforce, but they are still being paid substantially less than a full adult wage. If we look to the US, we see the Fight for 15 campaign making a lot of ground and winning wage rises for workers there. 
But when you look at the workers over there, the ones that are involved in the activism, they appear to be much older than those fast food workers in Australia. Can you tell us a bit about the difference between the fast food sector here and the fast food sector in the US? The one commonality between the fast food sector, and in particular McDonald's all across the world, is that it will do whatever it takes and whatever it can to reduce its labour cost. And so in other countries, it doesn't use junior rates because junior rates aren't available to it. In America, we've got minimum wages, which are appallingly low, but they aren't born out of age. So McDonald's doesn't care about age over there. They just care about having as low a labour cost as they possibly can. Um, whereas in Australia, we have such an entrenched system of very low junior rates um, that uh, that's the system that McDonald's and capital um, exploits in Australia. So if you allow me to play devil's advocate for just a second, if we were to abolish youth wages, does that mean that these jobs for young people in McDonald's would disappear? No, what McDonald's want, wants is an insecure and um, non-assertive workforce. And for them, they get the double whammy benefit. Um, they get junior rates, but they also get a workforce that's prepared to be burnt, that's prepared to be treated abominably, to be harassed in the workplace by offenders, customers and managers. Um, they want that kind of workforce. And in Australia at the moment, uh, they get all of that with young workers. They simply don't have 70 or 80 or 90,000 workers to take off the street who are not young workers. So we expect that they will continue to employ very young workers, even when one day we are able to abolish the junior rates. So in the UK last week, we saw McDonald's workers joined by hospitality workers from TGI Fridays and Weatherspoons, which is a chain of bars over there. Their claims mirror those of what you're talking about, about abolishing youth wages and raising raising wages for, for workers there. We heard earlier in the show that their pressure has been successful at Weatherspoons and they've got rid of this 18 to 20 ban for youth wages. What's required in Australia to get rid of these youth wages? Well, I think that the a big, a big part of this campaign is about organising and mobilising workers. It starts with the very young workers and 18 and 19-year-olds as well. Um, getting involved and getting organised and stepping up to the plate to hold these employers to account. We think that that's the primary path that workers and unions have been able to deliver outcomes now for hundreds of years. Legislative change will follow, but it starts with unions and workers getting organised and getting mobilised and changing the practice in the workplace. So what are some of the obstacles to overcome before we can get this change in Australia? Well, look, our first stage of our campaign was really around this um, churn and having it exposed on, uh, on the ABC TV and talking about it more openly. We want parents to understand what's going on in these workplaces. McDonald's is not a good employer. And parents need to understand that, uh, that it's not about getting a good reference and it's not about having secure employment that goes on for many years. There is a business practice here, which is about exploiting their kids. And so the, once we've now been given the opportunity to share that with parents, we're hopeful parents will be more supportive of their kids, of their 15, 16 and 17 year olds, mobilising in the workplace. And for us, that's the next stage. We draw great inspiration from the movement in America, from what's been achieved already in New Zealand and what's been happening in the UK, we draw great inspiration to be able to run out the campaigns now against sexual harassment, against other forms of bullying and harassment, against the obscene behaviours being displayed by both offenders in the workplace but managers as well. And so we intend to organise and mobilise around each of those. You just touched really briefly there on New Zealand. 
Can you give us a bit of an example of what has been achieved in New Zealand? Yeah, a fantastic union was launched in the early 2000s in New Zealand called Unite that for the first time started organising and mobilising fast food workers. They've been able to negotiate in their most recent contract with McDonald's um, not only the abolition of junior rates and not only the abolition of zero-hour contracts or casual work, but also new rights and new conditions, new wage rights and uh, minimum rights to be offered hours of work before they get they employ new staff. So we've got a fantastic example just across the ditch of how something can be achieved through direct action through strikes at stores. That's what's going to be. Ta- that's what it's going to take. Um, but how we can achieve the abolition of junior rates, we can secure uh, equal pay for equal work, and we can get more secure employment as well. And what can people out there do if they want to get more involved in the fight to end junior wages and youth rates in Australia? Well, we'd love to see more young workers involved in our union, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. We've got a special discounted rate for um, young workers. We recognise that if you're earning half the wage of an adult, you probably can't afford full membership fees. So we'd love for those workers to get involved, get in touch. Um, For workers that aren't working in the sector anymore, telling your story. It's really important that we're able to tell the story of ex-McDonald's workers and ex-other fast food workers. The media uh, needs to hear these stories. And so just getting in touch, sharing your story with us, um, getting in touch on our Facebook, which is forward slash RAFU, or just contacting us on our website. Um, We'd love to hear your stories and be able to share them in the future with the media. Josh Cullinan, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. The government are trying to take away workers' rights. Big bankers can get away with the rorts that they're getting away with. Companies keep getting away with dodging taxes and, and the government that we've got at the moment keeps making rules that are so so profoundly against workers' interests and the interests of the vulnerable people in society. It's obvious that something has to change. Well, that's all we have time for this week on the show. Thanks to both Chris and Josh for talking with us. Don't forget to hit the streets for the nationwide series of rallies. Just head to changetherules.org.au to find out all the details in your local area. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR with generous financial assistance from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. It's broadcast right around the country thanks to the Community Radio Network. You can do your bit, though, to keep workers' stories on the air by calling your local community radio station and subscribing today. You can re-listen to the show or share it with your friends. The podcast of this and other episodes are available at 3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. You can also find us on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can contact the producers by calling 03 9419 8377 or sending us an email to sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Stick Together Program. Send us a message. We always love to get your feedback. And finally, remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. I'm Matt Kunkel. Until next time, stick together. Stick together.